Hi, I'm Maggie. Hi, I'm Grace, and this is A Very Bookish Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to A Very Bookish Podcast. Today is episode 78, and as one of my first episodes with an author solo, I have the amazing Kilby Blades, who just has a new release, and I have her on today to talk to you about her history of publishing and also her newest work, which if you haven't already, definitely go check it out. It came out September 12th, and when I tell you it is amazing, you will relate to it so much especially as somebody with ADHD who is a list person and loves stationery, you will love this book. So welcome, Kilby. How are you today? I'm awesome. Thank you Good. so much for having me. Good. And thank you for noticing. Thank you for noticing the list. The list is such an important <laughs> part of uh, the book and of who the characters are is. I mean, when I, when I first saw the list, that's what like first I saw the cover and I was like, oh, there's lists. And I literally was making a list of things I needed to do. And that was like, one of my top things was like, download the arc. And I looked at the, and I was like, this is interesting. Like, this right. is, is this, is this <laughs> me? And then I like, she talked about like stationary and I was like, what? I was like, your girl loves to buy some good pens and paper and notebooks. Yes. Like, yes, I spend way too money, too much money on that. So Zuri was like, Oh, I was so happy when I saw that because I was like, I need to stay on track and focus. And I make so many lists throughout my day that I was so, it was such a relatable portion of the character. So for those of our listeners who don't know who you are, do you want to kind of give an introduction to your, who you are and like your publishing history? Sure, absolutely. So I'm Kilby. Um, I've been writing for about 20 years because I got my start in fan fiction, which is a whole other part of my writing life, which is actually longer than um, my current publishing life. But I've been publishing original fiction since 2017. Um, so my signature, as I say, I write um, betas in the streets, alphas in the sheets, because I really like guys. I'm not, I strongly dislike alpha holes. So I like I like a guy who can take charge when he needs to, but I tend to write really um, I, I tend to write heroines who sort of are taking charge of their own lives and, mm -hmm. and the men are there to sort of help them be who they want and need to be. Um, and they, the alpha side only comes out when they really need it to come out. I get. Yes, I can. Now that I'm thinking <laughs> that I'm like, oh, I see what you mean. And I love that. What fan fiction did you used to write? So this will this will show my age, but the first fandom I ever wrote in was the Dawson's Creek fandom, um, and that's actually how I started writing romance because I mm -hmm. find that in in I'm a big TV and movie junkie, but definitely in television franchises, the writers get the romance wrong, and I think that's why like there's there's a statistic I can't remember the statistic exactly, but like something like more than eighty percent of fan fiction is romance fan fiction because you end up with these television shows where they either get the romance wrong. Or they make it like they back burner the subplot and they underestimate how much how invested the fans are in the romance. And then you, you get people like me who have to come and like, you know, either write what they wouldn't put on the screen or have to write the correct romance because they've gotten the romance wrong, which they clearly didn't Dawson's Creek because Joey and Pacey belong together. And I felt vindicated. I felt vindicated. Spoiler alert, at the end of the series, they end up together because I was right all along. Um the Dawson's Creek was my first fandom. I also wrote a lot of fan fiction in the West Wing for a period of time. Um, I wrote one divergent fanfic that I, I really, really love. Um, and I wrote in Twilight. Before. Wow. I feel like every fan fiction author has to go 
through their twilight fan fiction phase like it seems like every time i talk with somebody who writes romance they're like yeah that i had a twilight phase and i'm just like i feel like that is like a classic like that's a rite of passage for some fanfic authors is you have to go through that twilight phase initially <laughs> but it was so good the twilight fan fiction was so good i mean yeah. the weird thing about the twilight fandom is that there were so many great authors who then published traditionally and we were so happy they did because they were such great writers and like yay we get to have them forever not just with mm -hmm. Twilight but I would say there were a ton of amazing Twilight fanfics and the author the author never like went on to publish traditionally I would mm -hmm. say some of some of my very favorite ones were never were never like you never heard from that author again which is mm -hmm. just like unbelievable yeah, I, I feel like it's common on like a Wattpad for like an author will have like this amazing good story and then there's like jokes around where it's like the author like is like ill and they're like, hey guys, I just got back from the hospital of being in the hospital for six months. Uh, here's the next chapter. And I'm like, how? <laughs> so I big, big coots to fanfic authors because they are authors. Like there's just like, weird thing that people don't think fan fiction authors are authors i'm like have y'all seen the things they write they write better than sometimes the actual story is so i commend you have you been reading fan fiction for uh, right now but since you're traditionally publishing are you reading more traditional published i read more traditionally published books i've recently been really really into memoir so like mm -hmm. i i'm not and i'm a huge audiobook listener so i'm super into narrator so right now i'm reading a lot of memoirs who are read by the narrator and i'm reading mm -hmm. memoirs of a lot of like actors like i just read the viola davis memoir and like she mm -hmm. is amazing so listening yeah. to her perform mm -hmm. her own book was like the content was amazing and, and like her as the voice was amazing um i do read some fan fiction honestly all i would say at least 50 percent of my romance author friends read fan fiction whether they wrote fan fiction or not so i have my my friend carrie is like my crack dealer i call her so she's i don't actually go through and look for them myself she sends me her favorites and they are all amazing that's good that's good i mean would you do you still write fan fiction or is it you're just trying to keep to what uh publishing actual not actual books because they're all books but like publishing them or do you, you still continue to write fan fiction I don't. I've been tempted. Um, mm -hmm. And I definitely know, I know authors who feel like they've either gotten writer's block in their author career or they've taken a step back. And I, I do know a ton of um, authors of original fiction who who returned to fan fiction intermittently or have taken mm -hmm. big breaks and only written fan fiction. It's definitely mm -hmm. like still so much a part of the lives of, of authors I know who have been involved in the fanfic world. That's amazing. So what kind of pushed you over that edge to go from writing fan fiction to writing original fiction and publishing? Um, there was definitely a moment where, you know, when you're in fan fiction, I had a sense, because I was writing in such a big fandom, which was Twilight, I had a sense of how popular my stories were because I could see, you know, I was publishing on Twilighted and I was publishing on fanfiction.net and you could see how many people were reading your books. And I had like hundreds of thousands of reads. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a baby, like I got pregnant, had a baby, lost my creative mojo and then came back. And when I came back, everybody who had been my contemporary in fan fiction who was sort of like an equal an equal level of popularity as me as this sort of equal level of readership all of them had um while I was busy having kids gone to publish original fiction and had gone on to become like best-selling authors oh. um so I I had that confidence where I knew 
you know, I felt like I know the caliber of my writing. I know that if they're doing this, I can do this. So that's, that's where I decided to go ahead and do it. I mean, yeah. Where are you, if you don't mind me asking, are you like a full-time writer at the moment or is this more of your like part-time like job? No, I don't write full-time. So Mm -hmm. I have a, I have a full-time job on top of writing. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of authors now, especially with like during um, COVID-19 and stuff with everybody having to stay home. I feel like a lot of authors have risen who are like, this is my part-time, like, this is what I do on the side. My passion is what, like, I've heard a lot of people say, do you ever, was it like a goal for it to go further and for you to have like this be like a full thing, full, full, like, I'm only an author or is it more of like a side passion for you? Yeah, you know, I have at various points, stopped working to write full-time and I actually Mm -hmm. didn't there were things that I like about it but there are things I didn't like about it so Mm -hmm. my decision to go back to work was deliberate I have made shifts in my career Mm -hmm. I used to have a sort of like 80 hour week very high stress very sort of like high-powered corporate job Mm -hmm. and I deliberately took a step back to a role that was much easier I took like a $75,000 a year pay cut to to Mm -hmm. go work in an an easier job so that I would have Mm -hmm. more time to write so I've definitely shifted that balance, but, you know, even before the pandemic, I was, um, I was working from home a lot and I, I like people, I found it to be fairly isolating. So at some point I decided that, you know, I don't know if I want a full-time work from home only mm-hmm. authoring type of job. I don't think, like, I think, I think I would like to sort of use left brain and right brain as well. So yeah. I like having a, I like working outside of offering. Yeah, I definitely get that where it's like, I like working from home, but then I need some social interaction. Even as an introvert, I'm like, I'm getting too lonely here. Like I need to, I need to see some sunlight. So I definitely get that. Well, now you do have a recent release. Um, looks good on paper. If you don't mind showing our YouTube audience, the cover, when I say this cover is amazing. It snuck up on me. I was like, Oh, that's cute. And then I look at the details and it looks amazing. Like, <laughs> oh, I love it so much. And so can you like explain kind of your process for doing the cover design? Did you get a say in it or was it more of like it was given to you and you were like, yeah, that looks good. Or was there like a process that you went through to getting this cover? Yeah, well, the process anytime you're working with a publisher. So my publisher is entangled is they have you fill out this big sheet to describe your character so that they can understand what your character looks like. So, mm-hmm. you know, they say, oh, if you have like a photo that if, you, if your character was inspired by like a celebrity or if there's a photo that you have of what your characters look like, send them over so that we understand who your character, what your characters look like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Entangled did an amazing job with the cover. I think they really, really understood the book. They understood sort of like the punniness of the name. So the hero in the book is the heir to a paper fortune yeah. and their pen pals. Yeah. So they, they sort of got the whole looks good on paper as the title. But I mean, if you could see the photos that I sent them of the characters, like the illustrations are spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually the way that we ended up with the check boxes, the original cover had the scroll, but then my agent said, you know, what if we put little checks? What if we put little checks? Mm-hmm. Next? So it looks good on paper. Um, and that was sort of like the final polish and yeah. everybody loved it. It was like the easiest, it was the easiest thing. There were no rounds and rounds of going back. That's it was good. Just like, boom, this is it. That's amazing. Yeah. I, when I think of the characters, uh, Zuri and Nico, and then I look at the cover and I'm like, 
they fit like it like I've sometimes read books where I'm like okay I could see them being a little bit different but I look at the the cover and I'm like it feels like it encompasses the book altogether and I'm like I see little things and I'm like oh I see what you did there with like the paper airplanes of the (laughs) letters being sent back and forth I was like wow like this is a really like this is so cute and the pink I'm not much big of a pink person but I feel like it's the perfect shade I'm sorry. I'm a very visual person. So like covers are like like my jam. I like will buy a book just solely off the cover and never like know what it's about. But since your cover was amazing. You're you're right about that. They definitely nailed in addition to it just being a great looking cover. They definitely nailed like I I agree that what's on the cover is also what's in the book, which I feel like is not happening a lot. A lot of times you have authors who are sort of trying to follow trends and they say, oh, this kind of cover is selling. So I'm going to put this kind of cover on my book because it's selling. And then Mm -hmm. as a reader, you're surprised by what's inside. Yeah. Um, So I really appreciate that that the book and the inside, that the cover really matches the insides of the book. Yeah. And Nico looks so good on the cover too. I was like, hmm. I want an Italian man myself. Maybe I'll get a pen pal too. <laughs> so for our author, our listeners, I did give the warning this today, which our episode went up today, which technically is a week later when this episode goes up. But do you want to kind of explain who the characters are and the, kind of the basis of this story that I have fallen in love with? It's so good. I gave it five stars on Goodreads. Like y'all Thank need you. to read this book. <laughs> Sure. So Zuri works as a customer service rep for a terrible, terrible, cheesy dating app called Hookups with a Z. Like that's how cheesy it is. And basically it's her job to get calls every day from people who are like mad about their like hookup dates. (laughs) And it's really awful. It has left her with zero faith in humanity and with dating. And um, you know, she lives in, she lives in Oakland, California, which is close to where I live. And Oakland is pretty like crunchy and, um, you know, she's very sort of Northern California in that way. And she's looking for, um, she's looking for somebody substantial. She's looking for if she's going to be in a relationship with anybody. And she's not necessarily looking for a romantic related relationship, but she's just looking for people who are real. Cause she feels like she's kind of surrounded by fakes and phonies. Mm-hmm. Um, so she loves paper. She spends, you know, she kind of like blows her paycheck at the paper store. She of course has a favorite paper store that she goes to and the, the, staff at the paper store know her um and she has a favorite paper manufacturer so basically this paper manufacturer emporio is sponsoring a pen pal program and she joins the pen pal program and that's where she meets alessandro who is supposed to be her pen pal um however alessandro signs up for the program but realizes he doesn't really speak english and he's sort of like impetuous and it turns out that he's not going to be able to write the letters because he didn't really think it through. So he gets his brother Nico to be the letter writer, Nico, who's sort of a recluse and he figures it'll give Nico something to do and Nico's English is better anyway. And that's how it comes to be that Zuri ends up writing to Nico when in fact she thinks she's writing to Alessandro. This is one of my like favorite tropes. I think when I, on the cover, it was like, he's not who he seems to be or something. It was something along those lines. And I was like, oh my gosh, is he going to be like faking being somebody else and those are one of my favorite tropes and I think that is what snuck me and I was like oh my gosh this is like the trope that I look for because it's like I need some lies I need some tension I need her to like find out that he's not who he says he is and then groveling like I need this (laughs) so I loved that 
Or right. Even... And especially in the 21st century, I mean, you would expect that if you're on a dating app, like everybody sort of knows when you're in the digital world that you probably are not dealing, you're possibly are not dealing with who you think you're dealing with. So she sort of goes all the way in the other direction to try to find somebody who can, whose identity she can rely on. And of course, that also falls through. Yeah. So obviously they, because they're pen pals, they send letters back and forth. So how did you deal with like in other romance books and stuff? you see, at least in the beginning, you see that there's a lot of interactions between the characters because they're seeing each other face to face. How do you create that tension of people who are uh, across the world from each other? And how do you put that on book where you're wanting author, or like, what was your thought process behind that? Well, I wanted to, like, I had this mantra in my mind, like this whole, like, bringing sexy back thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because back in the olden days you did not get to see the person who you were interested in all day Mm -hmm. long you know there are all these like if you read historical romance you know there are all these rules of propriety and like you're never alone or together with the person Mm -hmm. who you are interested in um so i i strongly felt that even though it was a contemporary romance you know we're dealing with modern people in the modern day i felt like there was absolutely a way for them to be building a relationship together that didn't depend on them being together all the time. And of course that allowed me to sort of show what their lives were like. So I I got to show Zuri's terrible cheesy job and her like awful CEO and her boss who was stealing her ideas. And then on Nico's side, he, he had some family drama. He and his brother were locking horns about the company they inherited. And, um, I got to really, they got to get to know each other and the reader got to understand who they really were. Um, Mm -hmm. before they ever met each other Mm -hmm. do you think that I okay maybe this is my opinion but I think that's what makes this book so good is that oh sorry my cat is stepping on my keyboard (laughs) Uh, what makes this book so good is I feel like in romance you sometimes the characters lose their own personality sometimes because they're in a relationship and it feels more centered but in this book I felt like I really got to see both characters individually and kind of their growth individually as people because they started out so far from each other and they're literally writing. And so we get to see their interactions through writing. Was that kind of what you wanted author or readers to feel? Or is that just my own personal interpretation? No, I wanted that too. And I, I wanted the the waiting. Like I used to write people letters all the time. I had a lot of pen pal, like my mother was a, was a handwritten letter writer. She taught us the art of the handwritten note. In fact, I dedicated the book to my mother. Um, I went to summer camp, like I went to summer camp. I was like obsessed with summer camp. I went to summer camp every summer and my summer camp friends were my people. Mm-hmm. And this is before email. Um, email sort of took around when I was graduating from college, but not when I was in middle school and high school. So I was like pen paling with my camp friends all year long. Um, so I just, I appreciate letters and I, it's probably because I, I have a deep understanding and a deep firsthand experience of the way that you really can carry on a relationship with somebody through letters. So I wasn't nervous about it personally. I thought for me, the letter writing made everything sweeter. It made the meeting mm-hmm. sweeter and waiting for the letters was a very, was sort of a precious ritual for both of them. Yeah. I did notice that. I was like, are they going to get the letter today? Uh, every time I, I, every time the mention of a mailbox, I was like, letter they're getting a letter oh my gosh it's like it makes you so and an, like anticipated for their letters so how did you think of this idea to have pen pals because we've had like pen pals I've at least read books of pen pals that are 
in like the US. Like they stay in the it's mostly like pen pals between states and stuff. So what made you decide to have somebody who's all the way from Italy and a girl from San Francisco? Like what was kind of that deciding factor? So before we got on the call, we were talking a little bit about how both of us are paper people. Mm-hmm. So like, I am a paper person. I'm, yeah. I am Zuri. Like I go to the stationery store and I buy the stationery and then I want to have somebody to write to. So mm-hmm. for me, it was just, it was this extension of myself where it's like, you know, I want to write a character who is obsessed with paper because um, I know how much money I spend on paper stuff every year. And like, I want that character because I am that character and I love that character. Um, so for me, it was just an extension of somebody who just, you know, sort of has their, has their thing they're obsessed with. And that mm-hmm. sort of takes over the other thing she's obsessed with, with gardening and like gardening and paper, like are so much of her entire world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that they both are gardening and paper people. Like the fact that they were giving tips on gardening through like their little letters was so cute. And I was like, oh, I appreciate this. This is so cute. And the (laughs) fact that they would update each other and like ask for, I was just like, oh, you know, he would, he would if he could. And I, I just loved that about Nico. But one thing I did like I was like, oh my gosh, this is too real, was the customer service calls. And some of, because I, I, I've worked retail, so I've dealt with customer service. I worked at Barnes & Noble, like, during, like, busy holiday season twice. Like, it gets rough out there. Customer service calls is on another level. So how did you just come up with these ideas of these, like, people, I guess because it is a dating app, so it's like, of course, people are going to call to try to get other people's information. But the, like, some of them, I was like, where did she get this from? <laughs> I think it was like his dick pic lied or something like that. And yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. So I do, I do have friends who are like, who are on the dating scene. So I've been in a relationship for 20 years. So I haven't dated. I, I never dated really in the time of apps. Not really. Um, so I have friends who tell me stories, which was part of where that came from. But also I have also worked with the general public. So I waited tables and tended bar for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, and I worked, I worked in a company that was also very sort of like that had a role where I was, I was public facing. Um, and I think you're right. Like you said, yeah, I've worked retail. Of course, anytime you have a job where you work with the general public, there's something that you start to understand about like people and mm-hmm. like customers and expectations. So I think that probably many people who have worked in retail have, have experienced customers like the ones who deserve experiences. Yeah. Cause some of them, I was like, when you tell a person no and they keep pushing you and I'm like, I sometimes just sort of like hang up on the phone. Like I've had people like call me and they're like yelling at me and I'm like, sir, you don't need to yell at me. And I've gotten in trouble for telling people that like, you don't need to yell at me. Like I'm just sitting here calmly. Like I can't order you this book. I, I Like I can't, I just have no capability right. to do that. And they're like, to meet your manager and I'm like okay here you go like people people are mad at you because they're mad they're mad they're mad at the company or they're mad in general but then Mm -hmm. they're like mad at you right yeah that happens a lot to Zuri where you know there's a woman not just the his dick pic lied comment there was a woman who was mad um that her date didn't have any hair that was one of the calls (laughs) that her date didn't have any hair in his picture he had eyebrows but he did not have any eyebrows you know when I went on the date with him and I think there needs to be a note on his account right like mm-hmm. yeah yeah that was definitely when I like was reading that I was like this has to have happened I'm like I'm like this 
like this cannot be fake because I'm pretty sure, like, I guarantee you this has happened before. And I just was laughing at all those different, like, and the wall idea, I think was so on character for her to have so that. That is real. That the wall is real. Um, not from a customer service situation. I used to have a, I used to have a job actually when I was in school, I was on this, I was on uh, the student admissions committee and I was the Dean of the student admissions committee. So that meant that students got to read some portion of applications that came in and we had a room where and a bunch of sharpies and anytime you read something funny on an application you would write it on the wall so like you know you would go in and yeah. I, I remember the best one I ever read was um somebody wrote so and so was an asset to his company as was his buxom wife somebody actually wrote that in a in a recommendation in a recommendation it was very backhanded right but people would do all kinds of things I mean one year there was a question that was like if you could be if you could meet anybody who would it be and like dozens of people said Yoda so there was just like something on the wall that year that said Yoda and then there were just tick marks next to the number of people who said Yoda right so that whole thing with the wall that's like the let's write down the funny things that's something that mm-hmm. I actually experienced myself that I I was thinking about that. I was like, this is such I mean, when I when I saw the wall, I'm like, Game of Thrones wall. No, no, no. It's not that. And then I'm like, oh, this is like way funnier than that. Like, I was like, how when I was reading, I was like, this is such a unique idea. Like this has to like, I don't know how she Oh, sorry, my parents are calling me. Um no I was like, this has to be like such a unique idea. And the fact that that's actually true. I think makes it a thousand times more funnier when you read the book of like, oh, this has happened before and it will probably keep happening again and again. Many, many things you read in books are true. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's actually kind of scary. If I'm, if I'm yeah. going to be honest, that's kind of scary. Um, <laughs> so I know we do have to kind of wrap it up, but is there anything that you want to tell our listeners about the book that they should keep in mind? Well, so you asked what my inspiration was for writing the book. And I said, part of it is, you know, I am Zuri. So the other part of my identity that I really brought into this book is I'm, I'm a huge traveler. So I actually, <laughs> I used to be a food, wine and travel writer. Um, so I have lived that experience of, you know, going to another country and either going and living there for a while or going on an extended vacation there or going there for a while. And then all of a sudden I I decided that I'm going to live there. So what I loved about writing this book is I got to bring in my travel writing background, you know, all of the places that I write about I've been. So this Mm -hmm. one takes place in in a region of Italy that I've been to. I wrote another one called It Takes a Villa that takes place in a region of Italy I've been to. So the experience, you know, and this book, she's in Paris, she's in Switzerland, she's in Germany. And I, a lot of those experiences and those feelings and that, that reliving is also drawn from my life. And I I love bringing that experience of travel into Mm -hmm. my books. Mm -hmm. If you could sum up this book in one sentence, what would like your like roundup, like overall view of what this book is to kind of like a one, an elevator pitch to somebody who looks at this book in the store and is like, should I get it or should I not? What would you say to that person? Wow. Um, So this is going to sound strange because it doesn't sound like this is what it is at all. But I think it's a little bit of a Wizard of Oz where you start, where you go on this adventure 
and you sort of realize that where you want to end up after the adventure is your home. Yet, he's he's her home, right? And he, mm -hmm. so it's like, you know, she starts out with this intimacy with him and then things happen, but then she, she sort of like finds her way back to him. I feel like it's this, I feel like it's this big adventure where at the end of the adventure, you've, you've really, really grown as a person, but then you, you end up exactly in the place where you're supposed to be. That is like a perfect summary. I, I was kind of confused with the Wizard of Oz and I was like, that I know. That's where, I know. It seems perfect. random. There's no houses falling on witches. There's no like yellow brick road. There's no poppy fields. None of that. <laughs> yes, but it's amazing. So definitely you, our listeners, should go ahead and get this book. It's actually available on Kindle Unlimited, which I had I when I checked on Amazon, I was like, it's Kindle Unlimited. What? <laughs> yeah. I know. And that was a surprise to me too. I didn't know that it was gonna go into KU. And so but sometimes books are only available in KU and they're not available widely. This book is available everywhere, in, yeah. including in KU. So that's really exciting. This is actually the first book that I've I've had that happen to. So I'm, yeah. I'm really excited about that. Yes. So definitely go check it out. Um and thank you, Kilby, for coming on. And thank you to all of our amazing listeners who have listened to this episode. I'll have all of her links down below and I'll have a link to the Kindle Unlimited copy. So you should definitely go download it right now. And I hope you all have a good rest of your day. And thank you, Kilby. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thank you.